Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 220th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. How, how about you? I'm doing okay. Um, we had to, obviously, this episode's coming out late. Apologies for that. I was out of town for work, and I'll be honest with everybody, I would have rather been here with you guys and the listeners business trip yeah it was it was not fun um i got to not be at work for a few days so that was nice but a little uh, break from the routine yeah but traveling the hassles of traveling and everything are like something you can put up with when you're going on vacation and gonna go do something fun but then traveling for work is like why did i i went through all of this for not really anything fun uh, no offense to anybody <laughs> that might have also gone to the same event as me. You missed us, though? Absolutely. Um, yeah. It, uh, missing out on a Thursday night hangout True. with the, the podcast boys, it's always a little depressing when we can't do that. Um, what happened since we last recorded? Uh, Mizzou lost a nail-biter of a game to Tennessee in football. Played about um, 17 basketball games. Played a lot of basketball games. We'll talk about all of those. Um, and we will preview the senior day, senior night uh, game, football game with New Mexico State. That's in a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully you get to listen to this before the game starts. Before we do all of that, don't forget to subscribe to YouTube. Leave us a review on the podcast platform you use. And, of course, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Yeah, we're going to talk about the New Mexico State game later. It's going to be, I'm sure most of the people that listen to this, it might actually be like after the game. It's going to be interesting to hear our, all of our cold takes. Um, you know <laughs> what? Because everyone will know what actually happens yeah, in the game. Yeah, you'll be able to listen to this like hours before the game, and it, all of our takes will be fresh in your mind. So we got to be sharp here, <laughs> Kyle. We're terribly wrong on that. Yeah, the pressure's on us right now. <laughs> Um, let's start with basketball, though. We got we got some catching up to do. Um, nothing too crazy happened. Um, there were games that we were supposed to win that we won. The basketball team is now four and zero, and out the first game against Southern Indiana. We already talked about it, but it was a little closer. The defense looked lackluster, a little bit worrisome, maybe. But first game, bunch of new pieces, no big deal, and we've kind of seen more or less the same team for three more games, Mm -hmm. like super fast paced, getting buckets when they need to on offense. And the defense has been more athletic than teams and they have really dialed up the pressure to sort of exacerbate their uh, physical advantages basically on some of these inferior opponents. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know how well that translates to better competition. We're not going to find out right away either. It's going to be a little bit still before we play Wichita State. But um, after four games, what's kind of your overall feelings about the basketball team? Yeah, it's a little bit different of a of a team than I thought we might see. Honestly, um, I do. I'm not. I'm not concerned necessarily about the defense yet. But I definitely thought the defense would be more of a of a strength than it is has been currently, and that can totally change. Like you said, we're we're four games in uh, to a, a brand new season with a brand new coach and completely different team of guys that a lot of a lot of them have never played together. 
So that's certainly something to watch. You know, it's, it seems like yeah, the interior defense is probably going to be a problem all season. Um, but the the perimeter defense seems like something that's been pretty pretty bad, but could definitely improve. So um, I think they've got they've got the athletes to improve on the perimeter on defense for sure. Um, the offense has been like better than I expected. Honestly, the offense has just been a joy to watch. Like how fast they're playing and how athletic they look and um, <clears throat> shooting pretty well for the most part. So um, I mean they they've got eight or nine guys that can legitimately go out there and score double digits in any game, at least in um, against this caliber of opponent so far. So. Yeah, it's been it's been really really high energy games, and um, I hope that they continue to be able to score against better opponents. Um, you talked about the you mentioned the defense. What uh, what have you made of the like full court press, the just flying around the court, causing turnovers? Um, Missouri's defense after four games is seventeenth in turnover percentage caused mm-hmm. on defense. Yeah, I love it, um, especially when you have the depth to do it. Um, you can just keep rotating guys in and out like that was not probably a realistic option for some of those Conzo teams and that were meaning only playing six or seven meaningful you know guys yeah um and it just you can't you can't have some of your best players just getting gassed from um you know running full court press or whatever it is so yeah I love the pressure when it's something that you've got the personnel and the depth to do and I mean why not if, yeah just make it dif- make everything difficult every pass difficult make them fight to get down the court yeah. and um, just to get into the half court set um, make it difficult and with the advantage for Missouri pretty obviously at this point being on ball defense and athleticism um, that's how you kind of put extra pressure on the offense or on the opponent is by extending your defense like that and when you have like Gomillion and Hodge have looked really good mm-hmm. um, just flying around the floor causing turnovers and then that leading to transition baskets um, that especially against the most recent game against SIU Edwardsville that was you know, like all over the place I think they had like yeah. 30 points off turnovers yeah that was clearly at least in my opinion probably the best they've looked so far and um, yeah they were up by 40 at one point in that yeah, game they were cruising and obviously that's uh, they were maybe like what two seventy five in Kim Palm Southern. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two eighty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, still Missouri did exactly what they needed to do in that game. They was they were just dominating from start to finish. Um, so after four games now, Missouri is fifty first in Kim Palm uh, overall, which is a slight dip, and all of that dip is from the Southern Indiana game. Still, basically, uh, they haven't really moved since then. Mm-hmm. Which I still feel like that explosion of three pointers yes. at the end of that game is is still fair to say that you know Missouri's defense needs to improve, but that, I think that was still a little bit of an outlier performance. I don't know what Southern Indiana has done since then, um, and I'm kind of putting you on the on the spot to I can tell you to, right now to look it up, but it's uh, I, I don't think that they're going to do that again. They beat Southern Illinois, That's and a, a they way. lost by 12 to Notre Dame on the okay. road. Well. Their three-point percentage they on the season are still shooting forty-two percent from three. Well, I mean, that's maybe that's actually a little encouraging that um, they they kind of exploited Missouri in that second half, and yeah. at least from the three-point line. Um, Missouri, after four games, is pretty bad at defending threes. They've when they haven't caused a turnover in transition their rotations have not been sharp and i feel like that's definitely gotten better Mm -hmm. since that first game but 
there's still yeah. lapses where they're just leaving guys wide open. Oh, yeah, just like really, really slow, just rotating over or just completely breaking down or getting confused or something, and, yeah, someone just yeah. staying in there wide open. The on-ball switching seems fine. Mm -hmm. Like They're not really having trouble there, and they're preventing driving lanes for the most part. Mm -hmm. But something's happening on, like, the off-ball rotations yeah. where they're just leaving a guy wide open in the corner. Yeah, I think that's fixable, though, for sure. That, that seems like a an issue that you would choose to have over others um, in the beginning of a season. They're also – Missouri's defense is fouling a lot and sending teams to the free-throw line, but that's kind of a result of the yeah. frenetic yeah. Uh, pressure defense. So, I don't know. It, you you take that a little bit when you're getting so many turnovers and yeah. points off turnovers. Yeah, but if you're scoring as much as they are, then you can live with it. Yeah, but against better – again, a lot of this is like yes. against better competition, does this still work? Yeah. Most likely not as well as it has been. For sure. Um, offensively, I think it's really interesting that, like, uh, Kobe was the leading scorer in the first game. Noah Carter has been the leading scorer. Des Moines Hodge has been the leading scorer. Yeah, Carter – had a blow up game he scored like 28 points the other night had like six threes in that game yeah and it reminded it made me remember uh coach gates after the, the first game carter went over four from three and gates was like that's prob that's not it that's not him nope he doesn't go over four like that yeah and he immediately showed that that was the case yeah he uh really really versatile player <clears throat> and i think you know he was a big transfer in the off season but i think we're gonna really like noah carter and what he can bring to the table uh, maybe more so than I originally thought. And I, I've watched him play quite a bit in the Missouri Valley, um, but to see him um, do it when he's got more competition for for um, scoring opportunities around him uh, to kind of dominate a game was encouraging to see. And then, yeah, uh, Des Moines Hodge, same thing. Blow-up game uh, the other night against SIU Edwardsville. I think he had 30. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, a Good little player. bit of that was garbage time. They were really trying to get him to 30. Yeah. Um, but, but he, he's fun to watch, man. Just a big body, um, great shooter. He's, I mean, he's got the uh, ability to to score, you know, fifteen twenty on on any given night. I'm super impressed with, like, there's like seven, eight guys, like basically all the guys that you think could be in the starting lineup at any point. They can knock down a three, and they're good finishers at the rim. Like Hodge for from two so far this season has attempted 18 shots and he's made 14 of them that's not sustainable but it just shows he is a good finisher at the rim um even like sean east not gonna have as efficient of games as the point guard but yeah. he's been finishing well yeah i think i'm gonna continue to be a nick honor stand as well just somebody who's just making the offense happen right now and like you said uh, is more than capable of hitting a three at any point from anywhere on the floor. I mean, he can just kind of bring the ball down and pull up or, you know, in a, a couple of times I've seen him kind of be the open man on the kind of a rota rotation where they're trying to get him the ball, trying to get him open. He doesn't he, hesitate. Yeah, and he'll, he'll pull the trigger for sure. Uh, Kobe has struggled with fouls so far, so he hasn't played as much. Like he, multiple games now, has gotten two first-half fouls too early and basically had to sit till halftime mm. so that's something that he's going to have to figure out a little bit if he wants to um you know contribute like we think he should be able to right yeah i definitely think um probably more is hinging on the development of diara than we probably would have wanted and considering we're just really shallow at kind of in, in, in interior presence we just you know 
Kobe and, and Noah Carter are going to have to kind of do their best down there and um, maybe some Aiden Shaw. So, those you know, none of those guys are really like an I- ideal defensive presence for the interior. And so I think w- everyone was kind of hoping Diara, as, you know, one of the top Juco players in the country, you would hope he would be able to come in and contribute a little bit. But also you can definitely tell, like, he's talented, but he's super raw. Yeah. And I think he, he could get there, but it's he's not there yet. And as much as I – I mean, I was – probably more hopeful than anyone that he would be able to contribute and I was just desperate for some kind of post presence um, defensively mostly and watching him play like yeah he looks yeah. like he's skilled and talented but it's just not it's not yeah, happening this year for sure right yeah. Now. yeah and also um, Ronnie DeGray obviously being out of the main rotation is disappointing because He's a guy that, even though he's undersized, could give you some minutes in the post. Yeah. But if those minutes are all going to Aiden Shaw and he's getting an opportunity to learn on the fly, and he looks capable, mm-hmm. um, we talked about in the preseason how if we're going to get interior defense from anybody, it's uh, just as likely him as anybody else, yeah. just with his athleticism. Right. Yeah, I do think that um, if we continue to – I think we've kind of struggled with rebounding a little bit at times. Uh, I really might not be the worst idea to get Ronnie in there a little bit because that's honestly what he can do for you. He's not going to be a consistent scoring threat necessarily or anything, but he's kind of a junkyard dog kind of guy that will just go in there and and clean up the boards and do the dirty work. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, there's just – there's a lot of guys in this team, man, and we've talked about that a lot. There's a lot of guys competing for playing time, and everybody really is bringing something to the table so far. So it's tough to get everybody in there for meaningful minutes, but um, DeGray – could bring some rebounding help um, at some point in the season. So uh, I feel like everything that all the players we've mentioned so far, it's just been like glowing reviews of their play. Mm -hmm. Um, Two guys that I would say they're the only two that I would say have not really, well, Caleb Brown, you know, his role is interesting um, as sort of like third point guard. And I feel like he's in there for his size a lot of the time to be to try to help rebounding but he's on the perimeter so it's not the best fit um they'll figure out something with him but um golston and mosley two wings seniors uh offensive threats um haven't really put it together offensively yet golston's been the starter all four games and just been inefficient not getting to the free throw line, not really making shots. He's two for 10 from three. So there's, um, I'm not, I'm not predicting that he will lose his starting job necessarily. I think coach Gates will give him every opportunity to work through that. And Mm -hmm. the next game they play, he could be the one going for 25 and being the leading scorer. And he is, he does have ability to like post up smaller guards and yeah. he can find mismatches and stuff. He just hasn't quite put it together yet. Yeah, he's a really big athletic body for sure. And I, I think he will, will figure it out and improve his efficiency as we as we go. That brings us to Mosley, who has been the talk of the town. Um, we are going to stick to on the court uh, stuff, I think. We're better off doing that. There's a you can speculate for days about like some mild drama, but yeah, crazy. players' attitudes and stuff. It's not even worth trying to speculate yeah. on, in my opinion. Well, you know, he did miss a game though, and so I mean, I feel like that's maybe yes. w- worth mentioning. Yes, was he? D- he just did not suit up for one of the games and w- did not make an appearance. 
and uh, he was in uniform, just oh, never took he? his warm up off. Okay, yeah, I, I uh, wasn't sure. I guess if yeah. he was on the bench, but um, and Coach Gates afterwards said, um, "Not everybody's going to play every game." Yeah, like we went with who was working for us. Yeah. He's not a starter right now, which so. is clear. It was clearly, I mean a lie sounds like a strong word yeah, but I, it's like there's something going on yeah we don't know what that is and he uh, was normal minutes the next game so whatever yeah. they, they, they must have moved on but yeah. that was kind of a little bit of a red flag for sure second game of the year or whatever it was um no mosley was was a little concerning yeah and that just invites just yep complete wild speculation yes uh he, he's you know everything but it's that's pointless like in, unless something official comes out we just have to go with what coach says and like speculate all you want, but it's not going to be helpful to anyone. Uh, what we can talk about though, is his play on the court. And again, just like with Golston, it just hasn't really come together yet. Offensively. He has looked good at times. Um, over four from three. He has, I don't think a single one of those have been like a spot up three for it's the been, season. He's over four. Yeah. Okay. Um, all of his three attempts have been ISO off the dribble step backs, basically. Yeah. Um, he's looked good on some of his dribble drives, and he has looked very good uh, distributing the ball, which that's yeah. something that Coach Gates was hyping up in the preseason that yeah. he has shown that. Now, he's got more turnovers than you'd like, but, again, in their last game in garbage time, he was just, like, throwing a lob to Aiden Shaw every time down the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Um he has a couple of moments where it's kind of that vintage uh, Isaiah Mosley that um, that he did that that uh, who he was at Missouri State. You know, he kind of has that NBA style of play where it's it's ISO, it's I'm better than you, and if you give me enough opportunities, you're not going to stop me consistently, yeah. and that's how we're going to win. That's not going to be how he scores at Missouri most of the time. I don't think there's just too many guys competing for for meaningful minutes. There's too there's too much talent around him for him to just dominate the touches like he did at Missouri State but I do feel like things will certainly improve um, because uh, you know kind of an interesting concept that we were talking about a little bit in the discord earlier this week is uh, I th- my personal opinion is when we start playing better teams um, I don't some of these other guys are not going to be able just to go score 18 points in a game against you know whoever it is Texas A&M or just any yeah. in SEC play I don't think we're just going to be getting like random double digit performances from just any guy here and there. Like we it's are right now. It's going to be harder to just go get a bucket. Exactly. Um, so I, as, as we go on and start increasing the difficulty of opponents, I definitely think that's going to be the opportunity for Mosley to kind of step up and be like, all right, this is my time to, to be the scorer that I am. And um, I'm still probably the best scoring threat easily on this team. And we, I think they'll look to Mosley in those maybe more difficult spots where maybe guys are thinking, oh, I'm not the best option to score right now. And every possession is really, really important. We need to get our best scorers um, the ball. So I, I, I definitely think his usage will, will increase. I hope his minutes increase. And um, I think he just needs a little time to gel. And this may be I, – I completely agree with everything you're saying there. This may be – well, tell me what you think of this. I don't love – how he's getting his touches right now i wish that they f- f- felt more in the flow of the offense or i wish he had a couple spot up threes a game mm-hmm. i wish he had a slash where he's getting fed the ball and he's just finishing at the rim it seems like 
too high a percentage of his touches are in an ISO situation that kind of is outside of the flow of the offense. Yeah. And I know he's good in those situations, but mm-hmm. have those as like a supplement to getting right. him the ball in opportunities to just immediately score. Right. Yeah, that's fair. And it, I mean, it's almost it's going to have to like reprogram his brain a little bit. I feel like, you know, that's just kind of like, this is what I do. Yeah. This is how I score is yeah. I just, you know, I just out usage you and uh, statistically over time, I'm, I'm going to just get it done. Right. But when you're, yeah, when your volume is much lower than those, right. it's harder to get in a rhythm. It's just, it doesn't feel, it doesn't look as good. I agree. It doesn't pass the eye test so far, obviously. Yeah. But lots of time left and still time against uh, some bad teams to for him to have a, a big game and kind of build his confidence going into the tougher matchups. I still think he's going to go for like 25 plus against Kansas. So, you know, we'll have that coming for us at least. Yeah, th- I still it's easy to for me, it's it's easy to just get pessimistic and think like, oh, no, this just isn't going to work. Yeah. And it's I think this may be this may be sound silly, but it, like how everything was built around Michael Porter Jr. And then he got hurt and it's like, OK, well, we just have to come up with offense elsewhere I feel like in the back of my mind there's this situation there's this scenario where it's like we're thinking Isaiah Mosley's gonna come in here and be the leading scorer and then just oh nope it didn't click and he's irrelevant and we have to figure it out with all the other pieces that's like worst case scenario but um, yeah. uh, I'm a sports fan, so my, my mind's going to go there pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. Um, I, I don't think – he was kind of a late add in the, in the transfer process, and I can't possibly imagine that they were, like, expecting to, to land him and then plan the season around him. But, I, you know, after they did land him, I'm sure that there was a little bit of that. Um, and I still think that that's a possibility. But that, I think that your, your concern is, is validated. Still a lot of season left. Yeah. Um, the next game for Missouri um, tomorrow is against Mississippi Valley State. Mississippi <laughs> Valley State is year in, year out, one of the worst programs in the country. They are right now 362nd in Kin Palm, which is second to last. Only IUPUI oh, man. is worse than them, apparently. They're worse it, than Lindenwood. Worse than Lin- is Linen one D one? I don't even, okay, yeah. yeah. I think this is their first year, I think. Yes, yes. So Mississippi Valley State, out of three hundred and sixty three programs, they are three hundred and fifty ninth in offensive efficiency and three hundred and fifty seventh in defensive efficiency. Well, it's a consistent. Yeah. Lee bad. Yes. <laughs> uh, first season for new head coach George Ivory. So good luck to him. So be a real stepping stone to better things. Yeah, I mean, the way Missouri plays, like, just the kind of, like, ferocious, like, uh, uh, just we're going to put up, uh, like, 150 shots in a game. <laughs> That's exaggerating, obviously. But uh, this has the makings of just being an absolute slaughter by, you know, 10 minutes to go in the game. Missouri could be up by 40 again. That was honestly a weird thing about the SIU game is, like, they the gameplay that i was watching made me think that there was only like two minutes left in the game (laughs) when there was 10 minutes left in the game i had that exact same thought like wow we have like 85 points with 10 minutes left in the game and it's like getting sloppy and we're just like throwing lobs and like 
it's like there's still 10 minutes there's still yes. a quarter of this game left yes like i don't know we gotta yeah, rein it back in a little that's bit that's just the byproduct of the style of play they yeah. they have right now they're just going down they're just getting up shots really really quickly and so that's just a ton of opportunities over the course of the game yeah i've been super impressed with their ability to finish and transition and like share the ball and um and so at times they look like they've been playing together for a long time and some of those oh yeah uh well i guess some of them and hodge obviously have chemistry and that's we've seen that don't forget about my jock that's true he's been out there a little bit (laughs) unfortunately i still believe we don't have a solution on the defensive post play um anything else for basketball it's been fun so far uh, we just got a preferred walk-on commit for 2023 i don't remember his name um thanks for letting us know he's six seven forward <laughs> oh no <laughs> they're back <laughs> uh okay let's move on to football there was a heck of a game last week against tennessee uh, it was a real nail biter until it wasn't. Now, y'all better s- stop saying that because Missouri actually p- played well at times in the first half. Okay, explain. They were within four points yep. of Tennessee, number five team in the country, Yep. Uh, on the road. Yep. They were fighting. Yep. And then they died and gave up 38 straight points in the second half. Yep. Uh, one point. Did you expect the game to be 28 to 24 at any point in that game? Like, uh, you, no, you never would have bet one cent that that was going to happen. No, but I also, I really thought that Tennessee was not going to score sixty-six points. That's true. If you, yeah, and I definitely didn't think both of those things would happen in the same game. Yeah. So, it was kind of it's a like weird one of one. those things where it's like they can't be good at the same time, offense and defense. They just can't figure it out at the same time, can they? Has Josh Heupel really figured it out? Yeah. I got to say he has, but obviously they beat Alabama. So yeah. that he doesn't need to do anything else this season, honestly. Yeah, I kind of feel like it's one of those things where, yes, clearly he's capable. You know, he's uh, he's a good offensive mind. Uh, but, you know, the SEC, and we see a lot in the NFL where um, you'll just see, like, people just burst onto the scene and they're doing really well. And then you give it a little bit of time, people figure it out. Can they adapt? So I think that's kind of like the, the next step in the – uh, Josh Heupel experience is like, can he do it again with um, probably different personnel and with a whole off season of teams having film on what they do? Um, because at least at Mizzou, I haven't done a whole study of Tennessee offense or anything this year, but you know that that Mizzou offense was was pretty simple whenever Josh Heupel was here, and they didn't yeah. do a whole lot, you know. But we had an NFL caliber quarterback as well, so. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, though, like what his future looks like if he's, you know, I, I think he'll, he will have opportunities in the NFL potentially next year. But, um, yeah, I think it's fair yeah, to say. Yeah, go be he, offensive coordinator he, he, in the NFL. He knows what he's doing. Um, if you're a Tennessee fan, would you rather beat Alabama at home like that and lose to Georgia? Or, and now basically, you, once you lose to Georgia – you have Georgia has to lose two SEC games for you to be in the SEC championship game. Yeah. But you beat Alabama. Right. So are you asking me or would you rather lose to Alabama, beat Georgia and now you may now you have a path to the SEC tournament and you have a path to the college football playoff. SEC tournament. Um 
I don't know, actually. That's a I great want question. a four-team SEC tournament in football. <laughs> uh, it's basically the playoff. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. If you're Tennessee, that win against Alabama, that was big for the brand, man. That was like uh, exorcism uh, and just the crowd yeah. reaction. And just for days, like Tennessee was like basically viral in every social media platform and all yeah. that stuff. Like. That was something that the Tennessee fans will remember for the, probably the rest of their life, to be honest. Um, that being said, though, those banners hang forever. Yeah. <clears throat> and a chance to get to the SEC championship game <clears throat> is that's big. Yeah. But even be, even if they do beat Georgia, it's not guaranteed. True. And I feel like beating Alabama, it allows your fan base and everybody to be like, okay, we did that. Like We're here. This is for real. Now the next thing is – get to the sec championship Mm -hmm. and i don't know it's like either one would kind of i but i feel like the with the rivalry between them and alabama there would always be this like yeah whatever you made it to the sec championship game but we still you still have to go through us yeah and you haven't done that yet yeah it's very possible tennessee is the best team the second best team in the sec honestly but you know they're kind of out of the playoff picture at this point yeah out of the sec championship conversation at this point um, they're they're going to be, yeah, they need multiple losses from multiple teams. And if they got to the SEC championship, they're probably playing LSU, which I think they win that yeah. game pretty easily. So, Yeah, they're going to be one of those teams that like is going to be probably like the first team out of the playoff. They d- don't get to play in a conference championship game. They'll be like a one-loss team that it ends up being number three in the polls at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And they can always say they scored 66 points against Missouri. Yeah, back to that. Um, We're a Tennessee podcast now. <laughs> yeah, how many people just turned off the episode during that? Like, we don't care. Um, I'm conflicted. Uh, Brady Cook. I'm not gonna. I'm not about to say that he looked good because 19 of 32 for 217 yards. They Still, weren't, like, some errant passes for, like, wide-open guys yeah, and stuff. Yeah, they weren't getting it done through the air. Um, but he ran the ball 16 times for over 100 yards. Like, he lit – I know. It's, like, it is so conflicting because, yeah, they didn't even come close to doing enough to win this game. And if they played a 1,000 times, they might never do it. But just because of how limited they are. But you can't – like, I don't know how you say anything bad about Brady Cook and, like, his effort – he rushed for 130 yards or something like that. Like, he was the only reason Missouri scored any points at all in this game, basically. Like, he was the only player that was just really putting it out there. And, you know, I again, I feel like I've said this a couple of times throughout the season. Like, nobody wants to hear this. but And nobody probably really wants Brady Cook to be the guy after this season. But, man, he's he's gotten a lot better as the season's gone on. He uh, I love that kind of third down connection he had with Barrett Bannister mm-hmm. in this game. Like that was kind of automatic. Like he just kept making plays, which is something Missouri has not done this year. Like when we need to play, um, at times they were they were doing that against Tennessee. Like kind of just back against the wall. They were finding ways to to extend drives and, and score touchdowns. That's not something they have done well at any point. Still though, after the score. Uh, Nice score to love it, to make it 28-24. Mm-hmm. There was nothing. Was that the third quarter? I'm looking it up now. Yeah, it was just like they just were broken after the Hyatt touchdown where he lined up yes. in the backfield. And yes. The t- oh, man. Total confusion. That was a 
I mean, that was a two-play sequence where Tennessee knows, like, get in this formation, and if they aren't perfectly aware of what's going on, this is going to be wide open, and it was. I mean, that looked like a college team against a high school team there for a little bit. Um, yeah, then they were just Tennessee was just ripping off like twelve-yard runs. Yeah, I mean, every they, other play, basically every drive the rest of the game, it looked like the, like we'll we'll score in two plays if you want us to. Yeah. Like, we want to put money on it. We'll do it. And they did not slow down. Like no. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm willing to be a little bit frustrated by that. Just yeah. like, like, what okay. are, like, yeah, what are we getting? What from are this? we doing here exactly? Like, I get that you put your backups in, give them a little run, but just yeah. like, I don't know. I, I feel like there's there's so this argument like, oh, they want to score 66 points so they can maybe back their way into the college football playoff based on their resume. It's like none of that matters. Like, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of frustrating, but uh, what was that? I was trying to find when? when? When did that happen? The yeah. score, Dominic Lovett. I'll tell you right like now. Early third quarter, maybe. That's what I'm thinking. The yeah, last just like points a flip switched after that. Just like okay, we're gonna take over this now. Yeah, nine minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah, nothing good happened after that moment, unfortunately. No. Nope. Uh, Tennessee scored one, two, three, four, five touchdowns after that. <laughs> I don't think Missouri had five first downs after that. No, probably not. Um, everybody, yeah, I think maybe I I wanted to see more from Cook because as good as he looked, making things happen to get to that 24-point mark, if there's just nothing after that for a quarter and a half, then – I don't know, like almost a half of the game, there's just nothing. And however, I still think most of this is offensive line related and we couldn't get a running game going at all. Like uh, the rest of the team, 21 rushes for 66 yards. Also was this, it's been a, it's been a minute. I've slept a few times. Was this the game where they tried the making play? Yeah. Have we already talked about that? Okay. Almost. I had put it out of my mind until you brought it up. It's it's like fourth and one or whatever. I can't even remember the situation. One of these times Probably. where they bring Tyler Macon in, he gets under center and we're like, okay, we're doing this again where we don't run a play. If we do run a play, it's going to be a sneak. But I've been saying they've got something here that they're going to pull out in a clutch moment where it's not actually a sneak. It's, yeah, it's something like they, zany. Yeah, okay, go, go ahead. I'll say this in a second. Okay. It's something silly. It's not quite a sneak, and it's going to go for a touchdown in a big moment. That's that's what they think they're going to do. Yeah. And they thought they were about to do it, yep. and it was a disaster. They threw the ball on the ground, fumble. Yeah, it was uh, like a pitch back to was it, who was it, Elijah Young. Yes. Yeah, and Macon was the, obviously took the snap. Yeah. Brady Cook's in the backfield. Yes, and then, yeah, which is weird, and then just pitches it back, terrible pitch. He drops it, whatever. Yeah. And they – did Tennessee recover it too? I can't even remember. I it was fourth down anyway, so it didn't matter. True. Uh, yeah, it's like I, I 100% agree that they were just waiting for this moment to just be this electric, huge play because it's like you know this is a very unique play that the, you're putting on film – like multiple multiple times like they've probably done it three or four times at this point and not snap the ball yeah they know the other teams know what's coming so it's like we're gonna just keep putting this on film so the other team's like oh we know it's we know what's going on here They're gearing up for the sneak and then just hit them with this pitch but it was like oh it was like too far backwards like i feel like they need to hit him in stride a little bit it was just like he fully turned around 
and the game was already 49 to 24. Yeah. That's well, not the time. I agree. Like, this, uh, like, you've been setting up this play this whole time, and you're like, and now, you know, when's the time to run it? Yeah. When we're down by 20 in the second half to Tennessee. I mean, there's just, like, poetic justice, how much we've made fun of that play. Yes. And then it just, like, just crashes and burns. Like, in so you can't even fathom how it's going to yeah. be that bad. And then, uh, Tennessee did recover. But for the comedy of it, yes. it couldn't have gone any better. Yeah, it's kind of, it really is almost hilarious how poorly that went. And just, like, on that specific play in general. Uh, is that the last play making ever is on the field for Missouri? Could be. <laughs> oh man! If that goes for a touchdown, then like he's the new starting quarterback. <laughs> uh, speaking of starting quarterbacks, everybody wants to see. Uh, this may be a hot take. Let me give. Let Samuel me, Horn. Let me give you this Sam Horn Brady Cook take. Brady Cook not getting anything done through the air. We know the, even the person that's calling for Sam Horn the most. Listen to me. You know it. The offensive line is not where it needs to be for him to be successful passing the ball down the field. Maybe. We want, yeah, throw him out there. Sure. Let him throw it around. That's fine by me. Let's see what he can do. Mm -hmm. But I have a feeling it wouldn't look great because of defensive pressure. Now, he'd probably look fine against New Mexico State. We'll get to that. But against Tennessee, against Kentucky, whoever, he's not looking good because the offensive line can't protect him and he doesn't i don't think he rushes 16 times for 106 yards no. like brady cook does yeah i don't i <clears throat> i didn't really i wouldn't want his first game appearance to be in like garbage time against tennessee when we're losing by 40 points like i don't know i think i would rather him just start off with a with a, a lesser opponent and know he's gonna go in and that kind of stuff have a little bit of a game plan and all yeah. that I think that would be a much better way for him to to start his career. Yeah, I would have been fine with seeing him in the fourth quarter against Tennessee once the expectations for that game were completely gone. Yeah, but so. as pressures off. Yeah, as fans, we have to recognize like the some of the issues in the passing game are offensive line related, and those things are going to be there no matter who the quarterback is. Yeah, that's fair. And maybe the, the passing game could be noticeably better with horn under center but um he's not going to make as many plays with his legs now he could he could go for a first down here and there but he's not i mean they were running brady cook yeah consistently in this game because it was the only thing that was working for yeah. a little while it it was working well and that's the thing that differentiates himself from sam horn sam horn or really anybody else that's going to play, and um, that's really his ability to run gives us a chance to win in games. Now, with that being said, uh, let's see Sam Horn against New Mexico State I for agree. sure. Like, get him out there at yeah. least some. we got to see him. Yeah. My fear is that, well, and if we would have played New Mexico State early in the season, I think this was maybe more likely. I think the offense – has improved to a point where it can probably dominate a lesser opponent at mm -hmm. this point. Mm -hmm. My fear is, though, that Brady Cook will will start. Of course, we expect that, and they'll get to like halftime, and they're only up by like ten points, and it's just kind of like, well, is maybe we should maybe we just got to close out the game because we're still hunting for bowl eligibility. I think that's a very real possibility, and I know Coach one hundred percent believes that. So yeah, especially I mean, like if Arkansas was 
like yeah. a one loss team right yeah, now. If we were and playing like, Tennessee in the last game of the season <laughs> and we still needed to win two, then maybe it wouldn't matter as much. But yeah, there's bowl eligibility is absolutely on the line and this is a must win game. And Brady Cook's gonna play the whole game if if there's any doubt at all. Yeah, um I do have a few notes here on New Mexico State. Um Anything else about Tennessee? I want to talk about the seniors a little bit and some information that we know about who might be coming back. Uh, let's honestly, I didn't expect to talk about the Tennessee game as much as we did. That was such a horrendous thing to see, especially in the second half. Sixty-six points. I am a little salty about. Uh, I'll say it. They ran up the score. You know, nothing. That doesn't do anything for you. Hey, I, I think they did. Okay. It's Josh Heupel's former team and yeah. this vaunted Mizzou defense. We're going to do whatever we want against this this dumb Mizzou yeah. defense. Yeah. That, is that make a, you mad? Yeah, that's, that's kind of like I mean, I, can't, <laughs> that, that I, don't, have a, I don't have a uh, retort, though. That's the problem. <laughs> I know. That's, that's what makes me more mad. It's yes. like, I know. Like he's, yeah. They did that. <sighs> okay, so it is senior night, and we do have some information about people using their code year, but a lot of this is unsettled there's going to be players that walk do the senior night ceremony that potentially come back um all we know right now is isaiah mcguire for sure not coming back for his uh, extra season martez manuel for sure not coming back for his extra season um we know that chad bailey is coming back and the staff is like publicly recruiting Darius Robinson to come back for his yeah, additional season. For sure. <clears throat> yeah, I wanted to just express appreciation for the two guys for sure that are moving on. Like, man, I just I love those guys. Martez Manuel, Isaiah McGuire, um, just great careers at Missouri. Um, have been here for a long time. Obviously, Martez is the local kid, and um, I can remember the day McGuire um, was, uh, was uh, committed to Missouri and had a high hopes for him and i think that that those came to fruition for sure and became a really really good player um one maybe one of if not the best player on the defense by the time he's gonna leave missouri so um good luck to those guys i think they uh, definitely mcguire will be drafted and i think martez has a shot as well um also yeah go make your money but mm -hmm. also thrilled to see chad bailey come back um, i think he's kind of like a sneaky huge part of the defense um and it has really really um, become a great player in the last like year and a half like season and a half he's he's come on and um, if we can retain some of that experience like again and we talk about this all the time how this is the formula for Missouri to win games is to keep you know experienced older guys around as long as possible squeeze out every ounce of potential out of these guys who maybe aren't like locks for the NFL yeah but can make a huge difference in college games Chad Bailey is like the embodiment of that so <clears throat> it's great that he's going to be around for another year and would love to see Darius Robinson come back too. He's had a good, really good year. Yeah, honestly, uh, McGuire's productivity this season um, surpassed all of my expectations. Like mm -hmm. he, the defense as a whole, you know, came on towards the end of the year last year, and he flashed some big play potential. Mm -hmm. And then this year, he was just like, "Yep, that's who I am now. I yeah. just make these plays." Yeah, he's just a prototypical like NFL lineman. Like he's really, really mobile, but he's a big guy. Yes. So he's he's gonna be coveted for sure at the next level. I think this year kind of like obviously we had elite pass rushers, you know, at the end of Gary Pinkle's time at Mizzou and guys that went to the NFL. But uh, McGuire is just like 
he is an SEC defensive line and Robinson the same way. They yeah. just look different big. out there, yeah. and they match up with any offensive line that you put in front of them, and it's been really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And now we get a whole off season of will they come back? Will they not? Will they? They they did senior night, so now what? And so that there's I don't know. I kind of enjoy that intrigue. I know some fans are definitely ready for the extra COVID season era to be over. And I, I'm that way a little bit yeah. like let's, I would say let's understand everybody's eligibility a yeah. little bit better. I would say that's understandable, but <clears throat> also I think it's something Missouri should be like really, really trying to take advantage of. So I think it's a really good thing for, for programs like Mizzou. Yeah. Um, there is going to be a, a little time here where like the, incoming players don't have that option mm-hmm. and they're watching a year go to guys who were like freshmen in 2020 mm-hmm. and it's just there's going to be a little yeah. disconnect there that's going to be kind of weird it's going to be weird for another yeah. four or five years probably yeah. but um i would say another couple guys that i'm kind of watching for is uh dj coleman who is the defensive lineman who transferred from uh, having a like electric FCS career, mm-hmm. um, like one of the best defensive players in the FCS, and he's been really surprisingly good this year. Like uh, he's kind of taken on. I don't know if he's like considered the starter at this point at like defensive tackle, but he's everywhere and has been a huge part of the defense. And I think he might have an extra year. And if that's the case, it would be cool if he came back. Um, a couple of guys in the secondary, like Chris Abrams Drain, I think will have NFL opportunities, and Ennis Rakestraw probably as well. And I kind of just feel like Ennis Rakestraw just kind of scares me, like some of the stuff he says on social media. So I just never his like his status at Missouri is just kind of always like I, d- I don't know. Yeah, but everybody's I, on the edge of their seat, for like sure. thinking this could be his last game. Yeah, but I definitely think Ennis could come back for one more year and and really um, kind of build a foundation for his NFL um, prospects but um, you'd think he could look across the field at what Chris Abrams drain did this year and just kind of like him so he didn't even have the most incredible season but it's because teams did not want to throw his way Mm -hmm. and um, I feel like Rake Straw should be able to look over there and be like okay that's the blueprint of what I do next year and I go follow that path perfectly yeah like assuming like chris abrams drain moves on yes, yes. yeah innis rake's draw could kind of become the 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 alpha for sure and like the number one corner yeah um i agree um now coach drinkwitz did say in an interview recently that he knows for a fact that multiple players from the team have been contacted basically being told if you enter the transfer portal there's a spot for you here there's a spot for you here i really hate that yeah and there's nothing you can do about it at this point i mean it is what it is right now and so that's again like i i i know it's even if it's a breaking the rules whatever it happens but that is considered tampering right yes i feel like it must be so commonplace that it's not even a rule well it's like no head coach is like calling up a player it's like the coach tells this person some in their analyst. staff who tells this agent who's connected to this person yeah and that comes through but that's sure. also a dangerous game for the player because you're hearing like third hand that this coach over here wants has a spot for you you trust it yeah and then it's like okay like i have no way of actually communicating with this coach unless i go in the transfer portal and i think we might see guys put their name in there and just 
so that they can officially be recruited by some schools and it's it's a little too early to be diving into that completely but it's as you get towards the end of the season when it hasn't been that awesome of a season that there's Mm -hmm. uh, rampant speculation about trying to keep players on board for sure but when I look at like the list of guys that you know are 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 graduating and uh, thinking about the guys that we know could come back and the ones that we that we know will leave where I mean every year you're gonna have talented seniors that are making a huge difference in the game you know to move on to something else but I really do think personnel wise they have a good chance to hang on to a lot of the defense and I don't know what um Tyron Hopper's gonna do I think he's like a pretty big question mark at this point mm-hmm. but he's obviously eligible for another season um, if they can retain most of those guys, Missouri's defense could be really good again next year. Having Hopper and, and Bailey back, those two together would be huge. Yep. And uh, I'm I'm not too worried about the secondary, no matter what, unless unless Abrams Brain Abrams Drain and Rigstraw are both gone next year, that would worry me considerably. But um, yeah, well, they went and in, in you know we're looking in the JUCO ranks for a cornerback, which I think uh, L.J. Hewitt already transferred out. Yeah. Um, they went and got the transfer from Miami. So, you know, they're preparing for that to happen. That's yeah. not – that's completely within the realm of possibilities that Missouri could be without Chris Abrams' brain and uh, – Chris Abrams' brain, you said, and <laughs> uh, and uh, big brain and Ennis Rakeshaw is – that's that's certainly a possibility. And there's always the fun of what transfers yeah. to Mizzou will exactly. get. Exactly, yep. Um, okay, New Mexico State, they're not good. They're – Four and five with wins over Hawaii, New Mexico, UMass, and Lamar. Everybody's beating Hawaii this year. Exactly. <laughs> I thought Vanderbilt it's was good because win. they beat Hawaii. You have to, yeah, you get to go on vacation to Hawaii and just get a free win. I, just, I feel like my brought that up like four different times this year. Um, they use two quarterbacks. So they've got like a dual threat guy, Diego Pavia. Yeah. Uh, he... <laughs> Only completes 47% of his passes on the season, so not really a passing threat. Um, but just like not happy with your performance. So like you were like, ah, yeah, close yeah, who knows? Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, 47% completion percentage, 662 yards through the air, but also 239 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Um, 47% completion rate is pretty bad. Yeah, and the guy that's more of a passing quarterback is not much better. Like they both, I think, are negative on their touchdown to interception ratio, and so they'll use both of them. The one of them will run a little bit more, the other one will will pass more exclusively. But I don't think either one are too threatening. Um, this is a team that has a lot of transfers from the Power Five level that have transferred down for more playing time. I think one of their running backs, I think, came from TCU. Um, it's not a game we should really be worried about. They've got some talent in a few areas, but this this should be an automatic win. I mean, I think 99 out of 100 times Missouri win, wins this game. Um, I don't, there's not much else to say. This, this should be a win, but knowing this Mizzou team, it's probably not going to be as pretty as we would like. I think nice little bounce-back game for the defense. I don't know that a bounce back. I don't know there's a situation that exists as a bounce back game for the offense. Scoring points in every quarter would be nice. Not getting shut out in any quarter by New Mexico State would be a good step in the right direction. I have two questions for you. Yeah. Will Missouri score a defensive touchdown in this game? 
Um, no. My other question, will Sam Horn play in this game? Yes. You were ready for that. You were excited. About oh, it, I, I, I wasn't expecting it, but then I wasn't like, <laughs> yes, I'm excited. I want to see it. Um, <laughs> it. I want to see it so bad. And this is the only opportunity left, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, it is, unless Missouri makes a bowl game. True. But that's kind of putting the, yeah. the cart before the horse. That's yes. how it goes. I almost yes. said the horse before the cart, which would be normal. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, what worries me about a Sam Horn appearance or not seeing one is I feel like we were on pace for that like two, three weeks ago. It was like, yes, this is, we're gearing up for an, an appearance imminently. It's about to happen. And then it didn't happen. And then literally he was like, coach was like, yeah, it's happening. Yeah. And And then it didn't happen. And now we've pivoted completely to just never, it's like not even a thing anymore. And we're just supposed to pretend like that didn't happen a few weeks ago where he was like scripted to go into the Vanderbilt game. Well, I mean, at least he looks good in that red hat. I don't know. I, I, we got to see I will see not him. be surprised by anything that happens. Me too. Just, mm. just, ex- just expect almost to not see him. <clears throat> and then when he goes in, be ecstatic and hope he doesn't suck. He's got to. Is that the worst thing that could happen? Is he goes in and just isn't? Is just he's just bad. It's just really bad. And so we're just like, well, honestly, that would. I I can usually spin zone anything into this isn't the end of the world. Yes. So that would be like okay, well, you know, he's not there yet, and we saw it, so we can move on from that a little bit, and like let's see the quarterback competition in the offseason. <laughs> yeah, we can all shut up about asking him to see him. Yeah. Every game, basically. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, with one game left, we can be like, oh, all right, finally put that to bed. <laughs> um, I think Missouri wins this game. I think they win fairly easily, but it's not, I don't, they're not going to score 50 points or anything. I've got Missouri, I'm, I wrote my score down. I want to hear your score first. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I think Missouri's defense is just going to, they're going to feast because it's you know it's almost Thanksgiving. They're hungry. Ooh, ooh, yeah, hungry for a little redemption. A little turkey. A little turkey and mashed potatoes. And do they score a touchdown? You think? Uh, sure. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Everybody gets a touchdown. Um, remember that first game against Louisiana, whatever Tech yeah. or something, and mm-hmm. they just like had like fifty interceptions. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think Missouri wins this game. Forty-one to thirteen. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. I wrote down 35 to 13. So Good guess. Yep. That means it'll be wrong. I don't think they're scoring 40. But what about 41? That? Possible. <laughs> 35 to 13, I say Kyle said 41 to 13. It'll be something like that. I'm confident in that. Um, Sam Horn passing yards. Sam Horn passing yards. Over, under 25 yards, which is basically <laughs> does he play or not? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen this offense? That's true. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say over. I'll say Sam, over 25. Like, Sam Horner, like plays a, an entire quarter, throws the ball 11 times, but they're all one-yard passes, and so he finishes with like 23 <laughs> yards passing. <laughs> that would probably be worst-case scenario. They like don't let him throw it more than 10 they yards down do the, the field. the horizontal one all day. Yeah. Um, okay, I got a real question for you. Real prediction time. The first time the Missouri offense has the ball – 
do they get a first down? No. <laughs> not even against New Mexico State. No. They don't yeah. do that. Got to keep the tradition alive. They do not do that. Keep the streak. All right. We're predicting a win. Sam Horn plays. I'll go if you 51% had to, you, yes. Okay. You're betting $100 right now <sighs> if he plays or not. Simple yes, no. $100 on the line. Yes. If I'm betting $100, I'm saying no. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. We can make the bet right not now. financial advice. We could do the bet right now. No, okay, so no. We're on opposite sides Absolutely of it. Absolutely not. You don't want to take the uh, bet? No, 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 no. Oh, interesting. Terrified. Okay, okay. Let it be known. I'd take the bet. This coaching staff is the least predictable thing in the world. True. Except for on horizontal passes. Except for on Tyler making QB sneaks. <laughs> it won't work. That's what's predictable. <laughs> no good outcome. All right, let's pick some games. Uh, I had to, you know, not everybody's as active in the Discord as everybody else. And I wanted one last time before the season ends to hear from the leader of the Patreon guest pickers, Daddy JD. <laughs> the ringleader of yeah. Pick'em. Their champion. He's picked once already this season, but I wanted to reach out to him specifically to, I, I, I'll be honest, I want the opportunity to fade his picks and pass them in the standings and i want it to be against their champion so wow, that's a that's a alpha move right there <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes i think you're gonna beat jd okay <laughs> we'll see how that it goes famous last words man <laughs> probably uh this is a decent slate there's a couple upset opportunities i think so producer cameron if you're ready uh take it away oh certainly last week Cameron got six points. Kyle got six points. I got five points. And the guest pickers got three points. Ooh, I'm getting closer. A little window of opportunity here. So our season totals are Cameron has 56. The guest pickers have 61. That's still a lot. Kyle has 66. And I have 70. Jeez. Dang, I wasn't as close to you as I thought I was. Yeah, it's more like evenly spread out than I had in my head. All right. We got work to do this week. Mm-hmm. Okay, our first game this week is Florida at Vanderbilt. Florida is a 14-point favorite. Florida by a 50. Yeah, I agree with that. I like how we've just like made this little fake alliance where like you're just trying to catch Cameron and I'm just trying to catch the guest pickers. And we're like, <laughs> we're like perfectly, and you, I think uh, guest pickers are like perfectly five points behind me as well yeah. or something like that. I'll take Florida. Everybody's on floor. Just okay. unsuccessfully catching the person in front of us the whole season, basically. Yes. Number one, Georgia at Kentucky. Georgia is a 22.5-point favorite. Georgia by 50. Wow. Yeah, I'll take Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Will Levis and Kentucky lost to Vanderbilt last week. Oh, yeah. How embarrassing. Vanderbilt's first win in conference play in like 26 games or something. 26 years even, maybe. I think that's what they said, yeah. <laughs> wow. What's a closer game, the Vanderbilt game or the Kentucky game? Uh, oof. Good question. Um, um, Vanderbilt. Probably. I'll go with that. I'll write that down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Western Kentucky at Auburn. Auburn is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Western Kentucky. They don't even have Zappy anymore. I didn't know that's where he came from. Yeah. Wow. JD takes Western Kentucky. Easy. Oh. 
Ooh, made it easy for me. Yeah. I will take whatever the other team is. <laughs> Auburn. <laughs> yeah, okay, um, well, big on Auburn. Are you sure you still going? Yeah. Okay. Who's going to be the next head coach of Auburn Tigers? Uh, Lane Kiffin. Yeah, you think yeah. so? Yep, I do. That'd be something. All right, the three of us are on Auburn. Easy. I have inside knowledge on that too. Okay. Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number five, Tennessee at South Carolina. Tennessee is a 22-point favorite. Okay, for sure, taking uh, Tennessee and the spread. Wow. Betting advice right here. You heard it here. Uh, I'll take Tennessee. Does Tennessee end up in that? Is there? How does Tennessee end up in the college football playoff? It just doesn't happen, does it? No. I don't know the rest of their schedule. Oh, but Ohio State or Michigan is in. Yeah. Mo- most likely. 100%. Uh, Georgia's in. See, that is actually a possibility, though. Ohio State and Michigan are both in right now. Yeah. So someone for sure will fall out of that. Tennessee's five. Yeah. So one of those two, Georgia, what's going on? Like if TCU wins out, they're in. Mm, probably. And there's a fourth spot there. Yeah. It's not It's not impossible. T- TCU would need to lose. They're automatically out if yeah. they lose, no matter who they lose. They'll to. drop to, like, 20th. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The committee's just hoping they lose. They'll just be like, yeah, you're out of here. I feel like whoever's had the least impressive season between Ohio State and Michigan needs to lose. So probably Michigan will lose. Yeah. And then maybe they'll f- get leapfrogged by Tennessee. Ten- Tennessee, I don't know. I don't know if they have any meaningful games left on their schedule. Mm. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, Ohio State. They play Michigan Pro- probably, next week. Yeah, probably whoever wins that game will probably win the – Super Bowl. Big team. Yeah. Well, yeah, the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Only one loss, though, for the other team. So True. Same situation in Tennessee. It's going to be a, one of those. Uh, Could they rematch in the Big Ten Championship? I have no idea. I don't know who's in what division. No. They can't do it. They cannot do it. So, Unfortunately, honestly. Yeah. But. All right, what are we at? Uh, Sorry. Every, everyone's on Tennessee. Yeah, of course. Yes. Um, number 14, Ole Miss at Arkansas. Ole Miss is a two-point favorite. Give me Arkansas. Ooh, Ole Miss for sure. Uh, who did JD pick? Arkansas. Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Let's go. Easy. The Alliance. <laughs> Wisconsin at Nebraska. Wisconsin is a ten-point favorite. I'll let you pick first. I'll take Nebraska. Ooh. Oh my. Okay, yeah, I gotta go Wisconsin. He's leaving the door open, folks. Come and get it. <laughs> JD takes Wisconsin. Ugh. I'll take Nebraska. Let's oh go. My. That's such a dumb decision. <laughs> I don't know if I've picked Nebraska like a single time this year. You're better it's off. They're bad. I'm this sure year. there's like maybe a couple of games I did if they're playing nobody. Wisconsin they're bad. beat New Mexico State. Okay, so they're good. Like they score like 66 points. Oh, New wow. Mexico State, uh, so this is way past the point now, but their coach uh, is actually good. <laughs> Wait, no, what? Who? They're, the Wisconsin's New coach. Mexico State's oh. coach. Okay. I He's uh, good. Yes. At what? what at Coaching. What? Just being my, a leader of men. Yeah, my computer died. He, uh, <laughs> he, came from a, he came from a Big Ten school. Okay. Let me look it up. Gosh. Don't worry about it. Okay. That was the last pick, too. What are, what are we doing? That's it, yeah. Okay. Right. Man, okay, we got some exciting potential outcomes here. Go, Nebraska. Let's go. 
That'll be. They'll clip that. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Are we done here? Mm-hmm. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the ten dollar level and above: Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Lewis Hernandez, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Groffler, Brandon Hanks. Thank you. Thank you, men. Um, you can find this podcast on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, and all that stuff. Yeah, we're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. You can find our t shirts and stickers on our online shop, Missouri Sports Pod.bigcartel.com. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week. After one.